Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Website. All the podcasts are there that you can listen to as well. Um, so how many people have heard the, uh, when, when I say John 14, six, how many people have heard that verse before? Bobby raised his hand. Bobby, how does it start? Uh, John 14, six, uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the father, but through me. Amen. And Jesus, Jesus said that, and he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There's only one way. There's not multiple ways, okay? If I'm going from here to Minneapolis, to downtown Minneapolis, I can take lots of different streets, okay? All right? But if I'm going from here, and I want to go to Mars, there's only one way I can go from here to Mars. I have to get in a rocket. And the rocket has got to be able to make me make it all the way to Mars. There's only one way. Okay? Well, Jesus made some very exclusive claims. And a lot of people use this verse as a, as a real good pointer to the, one of the most exclusive claims that Jesus made. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And then he said, no one comes to the Father but by me. But a lot of times, when we hear that verse, we don't know the context around that verse. And so I'm going to talk a little bit through, I'm going to jump in and out in the entire chapter of John chapter 14. And I'm going to focus on a couple things. And I think you'll like uh, what what I'm wanting to talk about. Because it says... Verse 7, which comes right after that verse that we just said. He said, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. So this was a response to Thomas. Everybody remember who Thomas was. Doubting Thomas. He was one of the disciples. He's the one that said, unless I put my hand in his side, right? I'm not going to believe. Okay? Okay? This is, this is before, so this is before, obviously this is earlier in the gospel, this is, this is before Jesus has died and risen from the dead. But Thomas here is asking, he's the one that asked the questions. He says, Lord, how do we, how do we know where you are going? Because he, in the, uh, at the beginning of John 14, we have to read those verses as well because it's so encouraging. Jesus said, he said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Okay? In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. 
that where I am, there you may be also. So it's interesting about that. What an encouraging thing that is. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to prepare a place. And if I heard that, that would be really good news. But Thomas, first thing he said was, is, well, where is this place? It's funny, I was talking to um, Marcia over here earlier, and uh, I, I said, I said I'm, my home is a really wonderful home. You know, she was talking about how she has a relative who has a really nice home in California. And I was like, well, my home in heaven is way better. My home in heaven is amazing. And so I went on talking about heaven for a little bit, and she kind of laughed. She goes, I thought you were talking about your home in Maple Grove. <laughs> And I said, no, my home in Maple Grove compared to heaven is like uh, uh, a really dirty place, okay? Heaven is an amazing home. It's the best home ever. It's a perfect environment. And that's what Jesus has prepared for us if we have given our lives to him, if we have given our trust to him, if we have placed our heart in his hands and given him everything. So here's what's interesting. That's very encouraging. He's saying, I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and then you're going to come, and I'll bring you, I'll receive you to myself. That's such an intimate thing. And then Thomas is like, well, that's kind of weird. What kind of a home is that? And then Jesus says, that's when Jesus answers, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then he talks about the relationship between him and the Father. And a lot of people say that in Scripture, Jesus never said that he was the same as God, that he was God, had the exact same DNA as God. And there's a few passages in Scripture that are like, it's like blatant. This is one of them where he did say that. Because it's like, how can you read this verse where it says, he says, if you know me, you know the Father, right? And from now on, uh, and you know him, and you have seen him. So it's basically, Jesus is basically saying, if you look at me, you're looking right at the Father. And they all knew they were good Jews. They knew when he said the Father, he was talking about Jehovah, God the Father. So there was no misunderstanding what was going on here. So then in verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. And, at, and it is sufficient um, for us. <laughs> so Jesus again answers and he says, I have been with you so long and, le- and yet you have not known me. He says, Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So after Jesus just got done saying, if you see me, you see God, basically. And Philip is like, I don't get it. (laughs) And then Jesus is like, you've been with me for a long time, and yet you still don't get it. You don't understand. And that's the trickiest thing when we start talking about relationships and we start talking about church and we start talking about what goes on here at Marie Sandvik Center and all the other places where people follow Jesus. It is so easy for people to be so close and yet so far. It is so, fo- so easy for people 
to focus on the external instead of the internal. Okay? Because if you go to Matthew 7, Jesus is talking right to people, and he said, people are going to come to me and they're going to say, God, Lord, did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I not prophesy in your name? And Jesus said, I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. So if somebody comes up to you and you're in a situation and all of a sudden they start saying something and demons start going out of somebody, you'd be like, man, that's a really powerful spiritual person. He must be on fire for God. But what Jesus was saying is it is very possible to do very powerful external things and still not know the person of Jesus Christ. It's about knowing him. It's about relationship. It's just like I said earlier. If you're in a relationship with somebody and you never talk to them, I think you don't you think you may have a relationship but you really don't have one. And so a little bit later we're going to talk about exactly what are some practical things, practical ways that you can grow in your relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. That's what God, that's what Jesus wants us to grow in. He doesn't want us to just know a bunch of information in our head and walk around like a computer. And when people say, what about this? And we give them the answer. And what about this? And we give them the answer. It's important that we know things, absolutely. But it's very important with what we do about what we know. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but... My favorite illustration is you're in, this, you're in the desert and you are dying of thirst and you know that you are going to die. And you walk up to somebody and they have water and they take a sip before you so you know it's not poison. And you look at them and you say, you know, that's some amazing water. If I drink that water, I'm not going to die. You can know in your head that you need to drink that water, but if you don't drink that water, you're going to die. It's the same way with the person of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He actually even said, I am water, right? Jesus is the only life-sustaining person, force, fill-in-the-blank that's available to anybody. The person of Jesus Christ. So you can know about him, but not know him. The only way you know him is to say, yes, I'm going to receive what you have provided for me, and I'm going to take a drink. Oh, that's good good water. So here's the question. Do you know about Jesus, or do you know Jesus? Does Jesus know about you, or does he know you? Because you have given him permission to work in your life. So let's get back to the text. You've got all of these disciples that are around and they're around and they're around him. I just can't fathom what it was like for them for an entire three years to be walking around with Jesus. I'd be like, man, that would be the coolest thing, you know, to be able to ask him all kinds of questions and everything like that. But the truth is, it's because of God's word 
And because of the Holy Spirit, we have that opportunity every day. Right? So don't think, oh, you know, because (laughs) what happened right there? Those disciples were right with Jesus the whole time, and they still didn't get it. Okay? (laughs) In fact, God's word even says, uh, I I don't know scripture uh, passage, but the Bible, it, it talks about how those who see and believe, those who don't see and believe are more favored, and it's better for them than those who see and believe okay a lot of people say seeing is believing and i say it's the other way around believing is seeing we need to always be learning what it means to access jesus and believe in him so here's now here's where it starts to get really interesting i'm just going to provide a little more context here and then i'm going to land on a couple more verses in here so so Jesus said the same thing about, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We're one and the same, but yet we're distinct. Okay, it's called the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three distinct persons, but they're all one at the same time. Doesn't make sense to us, but that's okay. There's lots of things in the Bible that don't make sense to us because we have finite minds. The thing I like about the Trinity is is that there is built-in interdependency. You know, a lot of us think, "Oh man, if I could just be my man of my own dens- uh, my man of my own density, I can- de- destiny, not density, destiny." Okay. Uh, be a man of your own destiny. I don't need anybody. Well, why would you want to be anything that isn't like God? God is amazing. He's powerful, but yet he still built in interdependency in his character with the Trinity. It fries my noodle how he does it, but it's an amazing thing. But if you're trying to navigate life on your own and doing it without God and doing it without other people that want to follow God, I'm sorry, you're you're living in in a wrong way that's not going to get you anything where you want to be. So here's what it says. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Then verse 12, hear this very clearly. Most assuredly, okay? (laughs) That means surely, surely, surely. It's a sure thing, okay? If I say assuredly, I'm going to give you something at this time, then I'm, I'm basically like firmly saying this is what's going to happen. And then if you say most assuredly, I mean, you're like adding it onto it. So when he says most assuredly, I say to you, he's saying this very strongly. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. Some people take that and they misuse that verse. And they say, well, if you just have enough faith, then you can do amazing things. 
But it's all about your faith. Faith healers and prosperity gospel people make those kinds of mistakes. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. What he is saying is that if you believe in him, if you place all of your trust in him, if you look to him for your total reason for living, if you look to him for your total strength to be able to do things that you know you want to do, then what will happen is there will be a relationship that will start. As a relationship starts, there is going to be power that is going to grow in your life. Sometimes that power may do great works. But it's not about the greatness of the works that matters. It's about the greatness of the God that is working in you and me. Okay? Because so many times we only focus on the great stuff, right? Right? But where else in Scripture did Jesus say, what did he say? If you're the greatest, what are you? You're a servant. Right? So if we're going to apply that same thing to this verse, when he says, greater works you will do because of my Father... Well, who knows how is he defining great works, right? The thing is, is that whether you do big things for God or small things for God, it's all great. That's the point. Right, Bobby? And, and I believe Luke is saying that we be able to do things more in quantity instead of quality. But see, it's more of us. So you're saying greater quality than quantity. Yeah, more, more quantity because more of us than we have the satellite. You know, satellite. Right. We have uh, you know, social media and stuff. Okay. We want to do greater things than Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, and, it, and it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I, I guess I just, if you focus on it from a relational standpoint, you're going to be fine. But if you focus on it from a standpoint where you're trying to come up with a formula, then you're going to have a problem. See, Jesus is all relationship based. He's not formula based. Okay, And that's where we run into problems in the church and outside the church and everybody. Everybody is formula based. You know, I say this, I get this. I do this, I, you know. And when you look at this verse and you're looking at it from a formula based, you could get off track. But the focus has to be, no, what Jesus is saying is, is that if you start to grow in that relationship with him, you're going to learn how to distrust your own power and trust his power more. Right? And the more you learn to do that, you eventually will get to a place where you will do some things that are very similar to what Jesus did, or maybe even greater than he did. Um, you know, there, I know of people who have been eyewitnesses to people coming back to life. 
It has happened. Not just in the scripture, it's happened recently. Okay? There are healings that have happened. Okay? Yes, there's the fake stuff, and yes, there's the other stuff too. And the focus shouldn't be just on, on the miraculous, but it's about the relationship. And that's where good things can happen. So now uh, I'm getting close to the end of my time, so I'm going to jump down a little bit. I'm going to focus on two verses here in John 14, verse 15 and verse 21. You find that Jesus repeated things a lot. And what he said was, he said, if you, in verse 15, he said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then in verse 21, he said, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Wonderful. That's John 14, verse 21. See, having love manifested to you is a wonderful thing. Okay? I always say talk is cheap. Lots of people say, I love you. You're just, you're just, you're just flattering me. Okay? That's all you're doing. Jesus didn't just say he loves us. He demonstrated that he loves us. He manifested his love for us. And how did he manifest his love for us? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the, that's the cool thing. So here's the question. When you read the verse, if you keep my commandments, you love me. Does that make you want to just try hard? It does me. When I hear the words, keep my commandments, it's very easy to think, well, okay, I got to keep his commandments. I know the Ten Commandments. Don't steal. Don't, you know. I can't even remember them off the top of my head. You know, I, 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 should, I should know them really, you know, really well if I'm a good Christian. You know, even that can become a performance thing. But the word keep, I did a little research on it. <laughs> the word keep actually means to value, to protect, and to guard. The word keep means to value something, to protect it, and to guard it. So, if you had something, I see, Bobby, you have a, a really cool chain there, right? So if, if somebody, if you're on the street and somebody sees that chain and they start running up to you and they reach out their hand to try to grab that chain off of your neck, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to cover up, right? You're going to put your hands over that because that's valuable to you. Okay? That's the way we react. If something is valuable to us, we protect it and we hold on to it. See, that is the relationship that God wants us to have with him and his commandments. Because he wants what's best for us. When he says, don't steal, 
He knows if we steal, we're not going to experience good things in our life. He wants what's best for us. When he says don't murder, he's saying don't do that. That's not going to help you. I'm here to help you. So here is what I want you guys to understand. I talk about God is good games. I talk about God is good games as a way to help encourage us to do what is important to God. And one of the things that I I have on there is spending 10 minutes valuing, guarding, and protecting your time with Jesus. So it's very simple. What you do is you set your timer on your phone for 10 minutes. And then you just pray and talk to Jesus and worship. Talk to him about anything that comes into your mind. Meditate on scripture. Do any of those things. Anything that comes into your mind during those 10 minutes, right away you write it down and then forget it and go right back to focusing on God. Every time I do this, and I don't do it enough, I'm learning to do it more. But every time I do it, it is amazing the power that I feel afterwards. And I know it's not my power. It's the power of God flowing through me. So what I want to encourage you guys to do is use your time at least three times a day. Take 10 minutes. Take advantage of stoplights. Take advantage of time where you're waiting for things. So many times when we're waiting for something, we're like, oh man, hurry up, hurry up. You're waiting for the bus. Oh, I wish the bus would get here. Use your waiting time to be praying time, to value and to protect and guard your relationship with Jesus. It's very easy with our phones, and I know this, it's very easy with our phones to get distracted. You're on your phone, you're going to be doing something, and then all of a sudden somebody sends you a text or an uh, email comes through, and then you see that, and then your brain gets focused elsewhere. Guarding and protecting and valuing your relationship with Jesus Christ is the most important thing you can do the rest of your life, my friends. But notice it's not about sinless perfection. Right? When it says, keep my commandments, see, when I, I grew up around the church all my life, I always knew the answers in Sunday school and everything, and I always felt like, oh, I always knew the right thing to do, and I have to, I have to always do the right thing perfectly, otherwise Jesus doesn't love me. That is a total lie. What Jesus is saying when he says, keep my commandments, is he's saying, Be on a path where you are learning over and over again to value and to protect and to guard your love for Jesus. Spend time in his word. Spend time praying. Spend time worshiping. Spend time sharing the good news with other people. All of those are ways that you can value his commandments that he has given to you. So, we're going to close in prayer, and then I'm going to ask you the three questions. If you could close your eyes for a second. What I'd like you to do right now is I'd like you to um, 
talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, you know, I, I want to value and protect and guard your commandments. I want to protect them because they're the most important thing in my life. I want worshiping you to be the most important thing in my life. I want to worship you more than money. I want to worship you more than food. I want to worship you more than anything. If that makes sense to you, what I'd like you to do right now is just raise your hand to Jesus. My eyes are closed. This is not between you and me. This is not between you and your neighbor. Make sure your eyes are closed no matter what, please, right now. If you want to grow in what it means to actually grow in keeping the commandments that God has given you and having a heart that is for God and letting him work in your life. Just raise your hand to him. He knows what that means. (laughs) He knows your heart. He knows everything about you. He knows the thing you're still holding on to. Let it go to him. Jesus, thank you that you are patient with us. Thank you that you continue to help us to learn and grow in what it means to value and protect and guard the things that are most important to us. And Jesus, we want loving you to be the most important thing to us. We want serving you to be the most important thing to us. We want worshiping you to be the most important thing to us. Jesus, you are the most important thing to us. Hallelujah. We worship you. Amen. Amen. The Savior is waiting. To enter your heart. Oh, won't you let him come in? There's nothing in this world to keep you apart. What is your answer to him? Time after time he has waited before. And now he is waiting again. To see if you're willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants to come in. If you'll take one step towards my Savior, my friend, you'll find his arms open wide. Receive him and all of your darkness will end. Within your heart he'll abide. Time after time he has waited before. And now he is waiting again. To see if you're willing to open the door. Oh, how he wants to come in. All right, I'm going to ask you the three questions. And the three questions are all basically one question. 
What does the word keep actually mean? You get two points for each three things. What does the word keep actually mean as it relates to keeping God's commandments? No. Don't say it out loud. Okay. Write it down. I can't wind it. If you want to tell me later when no one else is around, I'll write down your answer. Okay. Daryl, that's fine. What are the three things? I said them about 20 times in this sermon. Uh, and write, write down your name, and even if you don't know the answer, uh, still write down your name. Don't know. don't know. I mean, not enough information. What does the word keep mean in the dictionary? Or no, the what does the word keep mean as it relates to keeping the commandments? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I said, what does keep mean? And I explained what keep actually means. I said it like four times, like 20 times at least. Wow. Yeah. I need to go back to college. (laughs) (laughs) It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.